0: You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast, episode 440. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP440. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy to implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, pod people, Amy here, and we are furthering our discussion on attracting love and what that really looks like, and I want to encourage you all, if you are already in a partnership and you've been thinking like, okay, I don't know if this little series is for me, there are so many little nuggets that I do think you will extract from these conversations that may actually influence the relationship you're in currently. So please don't tune out and also know that a lot of conversations that we have around intimate partnerships can absolutely be layered onto other types of non-romantic relationships. So a lot of the things that we're talking about, whether it's communication styles or attachment styles or intimacy or all, or vulnerability or all the things we're going to be discussing this, in this mini-series starting with last week, a lot of those things are applicable in all different forms of relationships. So be thinking about Be thinking about how they can be layered into your relationships that you're dealing with right now. So if you didn't catch last week, we talked with Giovanna Caposa. I highly suggest you check that out. We talked all about attachment styles and how that influences the ways that we engage with others, especially as we're dating. So you won't want to miss that. And then next week, I'm going to be talking about the correlation and connection between intimacy and vulnerability and why we are so stuck keeping those walls up where we're like, sure, I'm up for vulnerability, but you first, (laughs) not me. So Keep that in mind. That's coming down the pike. But today, I want to dial up a friend of mine, and I do so hope that she answers because she is just so brilliant. And she does a lot of work with the inner child and how that directly influences our dating life and who we end up attracting or not attracting based off of some of the unresolved traumas or issues in our childhood. And I'm sure you're quite familiar with that. We've talked about that many, many times on the show. But I think it will be really interesting to look at it through the lens of the relationships that we attract. So again, keep in mind, this could be about your best friends or your work environment or, you know... The family members that you choose to keep in contact with. So it doesn't always have to be directly related to romantic partnership. But let me tell you a little bit about Veronica in hopes that we are able to get her on the phone. She does have a new baby. So you know how that goes. It can be kind of a toss up here. But let me tell you a little bit about her. Veronica is a love and life coach. She is the host of the popular Love Life Connection podcast, which I have been featured on and had a great time on. And she also recently authored a book called You Are Meant for Love. And I want to read this subtitle because I think it'll resonate. A No-Nonsense Guide to Help Smart, Successful Women Attract High-Quality Partners and Real Love. Hello. She's been featured in uh, O, the Oprah Magazine, Bustle, Your Tango, countless other podcasts. And she is also somebody who, who struggled with finding love herself. And if we get her on the line, we'll definitely discuss that. And I know she has a really interesting story of how her relationship with her body highly influenced who she was attracting in her dating world. So she is now very happily partnered with her awesome husband, and she supports others on the same type of journey. She has a binge-worthy podcast, free challenges, coaching. She is really here to shake up how you find love, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. So outside of that, a few of her guilty pleasures include psychoanalyzing TV and real-life famous couples, and I'm the same way. Mr. Smith will attest, if we're watching a show, I'm like, that's not how it works. Or you're projecting or, oh, someone has some unresolved trauma. (laughs) So it can be quite a nightmare to watch television with me. But anyway, she also loves hiking with her husband and her pup and pretty much everything related to sushi. So let's see if we can give Veronica a ring and get her on the line. Hello, Veronica. Hey, it's Amy. How are you, friend?
1: Hi, I am just you know finishing my pumping. That's all I do all day, every day for my <laughs> baby. <laughs> but I'm super
0: excited you called. Okay, so so how long have you been pumping? Like not today, but just like months wise. Eight eight two. Actually, I didn't pump the
1: first six months because I had my baby with me. So I guess a year. That's My, okay. my pump anniversary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. Well, I'm glad that that's handled and that we we can <laughs> chat. Uh, so it sounds like I caught you at a good time. So I've been hanging out over here with the audience, and we've been discussing a lot of things around manifesting love and attracting relationships. And I I knew I had to call you up because you have such a great insight on it. And I was just curious if you had a little chunk of time where we could we could dig into this bit. Yeah, totally. Let's dive in. Okay, perfect. 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 So I before we jump into all the things that you are so skilled at, at discussing, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your particular background because I know that was sort of an up and down in the dating arena. Yeah. And of the clients and students that I know who are single and actively pursuing relationships, it seems just morally deflating <laughs> and yeah. just Like, is this even possible? So I know you have actually created that in your own life and marriage. And I would love for you to just share a little bit about how that came to pass. Well, in my book, I go all the way back to age 11 when my
1: love journey started. I will do that here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll give you the short version. And really what I I actually didn't even realize until after I met Stevie, my, my husband, is how intertwined my struggle with my body image and dating were they were one and the same in a lot of ways. And it was really, although I was frustrated with dating and who I was attracting and the kind of relationships I found myself in, um, I wasn't like actively trying to quote unquote fix that except for just trying to find the right person. Um, but I did heal my relationship with my body. I had been dieting and trying to lose that last five to 10 pounds, basically my entire life. For lots of reasons. I saw the women in my family doing that. It's just also the messaging we get from the patriarchy about, you know, being in smaller bodies. And then I unexpectedly got a job with the Obama campaign in 2012. And for anyone who's ever worked on a campaign, it's freaking crazy. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Like it's bananas, like the time, uh, it's just bananas. And so counting calories just wasn't even an option. I just didn't have time. Cooking was not a thing that you have time to do when you're working on a campaign. You're just eating whatever the volunteers give you, which is usually pizza, or you're just going to fast food and whatever and eating whatever you can. So I didn't have time to do all the things that I used to do. And after the campaign, I never had experienced a kind of fatigue like that. I just remember thinking, oh, well, after the campaign, after the election,
0: I'll just sleep for a weekend and then I'll be good. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your nervous system was like, bitch, (laughs) you're going to park it for like a year. Seriously. I still feel like
1: I actually still really have a hard time volunteering with campaigns because I still feel traumatized by sure. like just how hard it was physically and emotionally and everything. Anyways, um, so obviously I did not just recuperate in a weekend and I just had never experienced this before. I was like, what the hell is happening? And at the same time, I had a friend who which is like the early days of Instagram when everyone was like posting pictures of their food. <laughs> <Yes>. and <laughs> and it's like highly like edited or, or, you know, filters or whatever. And I had this one friend who was doing that and she was posting all this vegan food that she was eating. And like the food looked so good and it looked, um, it was beautiful. And she had so much fun talking about it and planning her meals and eating it. And I was like, I want to relate to food like that. That looks awesome. And it just hmm. gave me some energy really around Eating again and and having a relationship with food. And so I in my head though, I was like, well, I guess I must be vegan. And so I became a vegan um, in order to have this relationship with food that my vegan friend had. So I'm I'm not a vegan anymore. It served its purpose. But during that, I guess I was probably vegan for a year or two, I also had uh, done a yoga teacher training and been practicing and teaching yoga for a long time at that point. I was like, well, I guess I should make it official and get my certification. <laughs> Between those two experiences, again, not necessarily intending to heal my relationship with my body and, and food, I, I did. Um, because yoga, like getting into it through a teacher training really helped me to relate to my body and listen to my body in a a more intuitive way. Like before it'd be like, oh, I have 500 calories left. I'm going to have a glass of wine. Not even like asking myself, do I want this glass of wine? It was like, oh, the calories say I can have it. So I'm going to have it. So like, there was no connection with my body. So, between those two experiences, I really healed a lot of my relationship with my body. And through that, I also learned to acknowledge what I needed, what I wanted, trust myself, trust my intuition. And without, like, totally by accident, that totally changed who I was attracting in relationship, who I was dating, what I was asking for, the boundaries and all that kind of stuff. And what I actually noticed is a lot of my relationships actually got shorter, not longer. So first I was like, this seems kind of backwards. Um, But really it was just me saying like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I need. These are my boundaries, take it or leave it. And so it just became a process of now, like, is this a good fit rather than love me, love me, love me. Soon after that, that I met my husband.
0: Wow. So it's almost like you created this deeper connection with yourself, more of this all-encompassing acceptance of self Mm -hmm. that then filtered its way into your dating life.
1: Totally. And, And so once I made that connection and I made that connection pretty early on in my marriage with my husband, and once I was able to make that connection, then I could really more consciously dive into like, okay, so what are... What are some of the the blocks or the fears or limiting beliefs or whatever that I have around relationships? I really think that if I hadn't made that connection, I worked with the coach really early on in my marriage. I'm not quite sure that we would have made it, you know, relationships. I, I don't, I don't like to say relationships are hard because I think that's used as an excuse for like truly crappy situations and relationships, but they do require work. I think that had I not um, made that connection, really been able to like, oh, okay, now I see what's going on. Now I know exactly what I need to grow and heal and all that kind of stuff. That allowed me to become more of the person I need to be to have the relationship that you know this really could be. I
0: think that's so important to delineate lessons that just kind of unfold and then the difference between that and then actually being able to break down a lesson and say, here's what was happening for me at the time and create a vocabulary around it. Cause I think there's, we see this happen with a lot of missteps in relationship. Like why am I attracting all of these assholes and Mm -hmm. having external blame or things like that instead of really digging into it and looking at what are the factors that are at play? What are the patterns that continue to show up for me? And Mm -hmm. Sort of an analysis of it instead of like, let's just jump to the next thing to fix it. Like maybe it's just getting back out there uh, and saying, oh, well, she was this way or he was that way or blah, 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 blah. And, and putting it all outside of yourself instead of recognizing, okay, what are the things that I'm tolerating? What are some of the things that happened in my childhood, maybe that are influencing what I'm choosing to allow here? If we don't do that investigation, I really think we just kind of perpetuate the pattern. Is that, is that typically what you see? 100%.
1: I um I like this idea of the rule of 3. So I always like to leave space for shit happens. <laughs> sure. You know, like we we can't control everything and I think that if we make everything that happens in our lives mean something we'd probably go crazy. So the rule of 3 is if the same thing happens 3 times then it's probably worth looking into. So if you've been in 3 relationships where you really wanted the relationship but the other person just kind of saw you as like something fun three times, it's worth looking into that happened to me more than three times, but, um, it's, it's whatever it is, it's worth looking into. It's worth looking into, you know, why it feels familiar, how it feels familiar. Um, what are the beliefs that you hold onto that lead to the actions that you may or may not take? I like that you use the word analysis, because I think that's actually a really, really helpful thing to do. So, um, the first thing I like, I have my clients do, and I do with myself as well, when I'm kind of like, huh, what's going on here, is first just building the awareness. So it's just like taking the lay of the land, like, okay, I feel this way. This is what's going on. This is what I need. This is what's not happening. Da, 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 da. And then you kind of go into the more creating the knowledge or the awareness um or the analysis stage where it's like, okay. Let me get curious for a second. Let me be the observer. Let me step outside. That doesn't mean you're not going to feel whatever emotions that you're feeling or that are coming up, but you also want to take on the role of observer. Like, okay, let me get curious, um, because this is the place where people often judge themselves instead. Like, right. why do I always do this? Or why does this happen to me? Or like, what's wrong? Or da da, da, da. And when you go into the judgment, I always kind of give a joking example. Um, like, what if I was your your coach and I was like. Wow, you did that? That was stupid. Why'd you do that? Right. (laughs) You would be like, what the hell? And like, if we were like, Not helpful. Not not helpful. helpful. And you'd be like, "Uh, I need to get my money back. I'm never telling you anything because I don't feel safe with you. But like, we do that to ourselves all the freaking time. And so, when you do that, you're just creating this really hostile inner environment where it's impossible to heal or to grow or to just see anything from like the bird's eye view. So, you can kind of figure out what's going on. And so, then once you build that analysis from just being like the neutral observer, then that's kind of the bridge to acceptance and compassion then you can be like okay i can see why i'm doing this i'm still you know parading around trying to get my dad's attention the way i did when i was 10 years old i can see how i'm playing that out with this person right and then from there you can decide what your next step's going to be are you going to have a conversation are you going to end the relationship do something else whatever like the actions are endless you know in terms of possibilities but you've got to first go through those first 3 stages in order to get to a place where you're taking an action that is based out of your your truth that feels aligned rather than like, okay, well, what should I do or um, playing out? Okay. I just need to feel this love that, you know, I'm desperately feeling, you know what I mean? Um, So that's kind of the process that I like to think of. So I really appreciate that you said analysis. I think that's kind of um, missing in the conversation around this kind of work. It's just like, do this and you'll attract your partner. And it's like, okay, Maybe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Just I'll size it up on a nice internet meme and everything will be just fine. It's funny. I use a a sort of a similar perspective for with my clients as well. And you can use whatever sort of voyeuristic perspective is the most helpful. So I've used sometimes like picture yourself, like you're watching a movie of your dating life Mm -hmm. and You know, this is really helpful if you tend to be sort of a gregarious, like artsy actor type like I am. (laughs) But if you think about watching your story on screen and you're removing yourself from being actually involved and you go, "Okay, well, what is that person's motivation? Like, what is she trying to attract through that specific language, through the things that she's saying there? Or what is it that she's feeling internally? Or what are we noticing about these other characters that are coming in here? And then how would I want that story to end? How would I want to write this, you know, this play to pan out? Like, do I want her to discover what? Like, what is that thing that she needs to unlock? Or I've also used sort of a scientific analysis almost like you have a little clipboard and you're you know how in movies sometimes there's somebody who's like behind a those windows that you can't tell that somebody's watching you kind of thing, like in scientific scenarios where they're observing a subject. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So something like that where you're observing yourself and you're going, hmm, appears that the subject is a little bit insecure. Appears that the subject may have had some rough interactions with her father early on. You know, and then, but observing it, I think, really voyeuristically like standing outside of the immediate pain and frustration and storytelling that happens in our mind about who Mm -hmm. we are, what we're, what we're allowed to feel, but just kind of removing yourself a little bit or, or even going like, what would Veronica say about this movie? What would Veronica notice? What would Amy notice about this character? And Mm -hmm. so sometimes I think that distance can be really helpful in that analysis. Yeah. And I, and
1: I really love that. The first thing that came to to mind is like when you're watching a movie or a show and I'm thinking like, you know, and just like that or sex in the city. And I'm like, do this. It's so stupid. Why aren't you doing that? You know what I mean? When it's not your own stuff, it's like yes. very easy to know what the quote unquote right thing is. And so I like the, the image of the movie because it's like, maybe you can start relating to some situations in your life like that as well. And then it's like, oh,
0: yeah, this is my next step. <laughs> that can be right. really powerful. It's a lot easier or the same way it's easier to give advice to friends, you know? Totally. It's like cuz you're you're not feeling the potency of the, like the sting of emotion. Yeah. But one thing that you mentioned just a second ago was sort of this idea of attracting attracting the soulmate and we get a lot of messages. I know it was hugely popular like early 2000s like in like 05 06 07 when the secret came out and everybody was talking about law of attraction and there was a lot of misinformation out there and and in my opinion a lot of steps that got missed and privilege that didn't get addressed but i would love to hear your perspective on this because i know in your book which by the way we it's called you are meant for love It's a brilliant quick read. So it's not something that's going to take you forever, but we'll definitely put a link in the show notes for y'all if you're, uh, so you can check it out. But I know you mentioned about the gaslighting nature of the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me everything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's funny. I talk about this a lot on my podcast, and like nothing gets me more like worked up. Well, worked up, but also like, uh, what's not, it's not like hate messages, It's not hate, but it's just like, nothing creates more controversy. Let's just put it that oh, way. I see. People, are, people are like really into the law of attraction. And I, so I just always say like, if something works for you. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. That's not my job. I just want to tell you my experience and also what I've seen a lot of clients experience, with the law of attraction, and then you can make your own choice. Um, so, the law of attraction I think is gaslighting because, and the way I'm, cause I know gaslight or gaslight or gaslighting really is like, a, I don't know. It's a buzzword. Some people say it's like overused, blah, blah, blah. But the way that I'm thinking about gaslighting is, you know, if you're being gaslighted by a partner or a parent or whatever, basically they are denying uh, or trying to distort reality so that you feel like, Oh, maybe what I feel is wrong, or I don't really feel this way, or whatever. So that's the definition that I'm going off of. The law of attraction basically teaches that you have to keep your vibration high, so that, or, or, you know, high vibration or good vibration, however you describe it, so that you can attract, you know, other kinds of high vibration or good vibration out there in the universe. And so the whole idea is like attracts like. Now, in science, that's actually not true, right? (laughs) opposites actually attract each other. So I'm not sure why that became a thing, especially because people do like to liken the law of attraction to science. So that's a total side note, but whatever. Cause it's um, not, it's not
0: a scientific law. No, it's not. It's, it's not. Just, and it's, but a spiritual people really,
1: it's a spiritual law and people really do are out there teaching it as if it were like the law of gravity. And it's right. just, it's just not, it's not it's. And then people talk about like, Um, like quantum physics and all that kind of stuff to, to explain it. And my husband's an engineer. And so I I (laughs) read someone's like quote on Instagram about quantum physics and manifesting. I'm like, is this like how it works? And he's like, I can't even follow what this person is saying. So no. (laughs) Wow. So the idea is that like, if you are really angry or upset, or you have these negative thoughts, then you're going to attract things like that. Right. And so you have to keep your vibration high. And the method that a lot of law practitioners will use are through affirmations and mantras. And also I've noticed EFT as well. What's true is you're a human. And at least I think, and if you're a human, you are susceptible to feeling the vast array of human emotions. And sometimes those human emotions are going to be sadness or anger or grief or hurt or I don't know any variation of you know those you know more difficult emotions. And so I can't tell you how many times I've worked with clients where we've had to unhook themselves from the law of attraction because they feel like they can't feel sad or shouldn't feel sad or it's bad to feel angry or it makes them a bad person because then they're just going to attract more of that into their life. And they just want to be done with it. And da 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 da. And where the gaslighting thing comes in is when you're trying to practice the law of attraction, but like the truth is, is that you feel kind of like shit in that moment. Um, you're gaslighting yourself. Like you're not, you're not being honest with yourself about how you really feel or what the reality is. Like maybe that person is being a total dick and you thinking good thoughts or mantras or affirmations, like that's not going to change the situation. What is going to change the situation is you having some firm boundaries and being like, this isn't going to work for me and removing yourself from the situation or setting the boundary or asking for what you need or whatever it is. But sometimes that can involve quote unquote, low vibe. I'm putting that air quotes for people listening on audio, you know, low vibe emotions. And so, I mean, Nothing pisses me off more than law of attraction. And that even to talk <laughs> about the privilege of, of law of attraction as well, because, you know, we know that and I'm going to talk about the dating apps, just as an example, like we know that the dating app algorithms are racist mm-hmm. um, for lots of reasons. And, and so you will never convince me that a white woman logging onto the apps is going to have the same exact experience as a black woman or an Asian woman. Like, you're just not mm-hmm. going to convince me of that. Like, ever. sure, it's not that that black woman or the asian woman or the non-binary or you know whatever person logging on can't use the law of attraction but to think that they're gonna have the same results as like a white straight you know conventionally attractive able-bodied woman like is freaking crazy to me one thing that really bothers me about this industry that we're in is that there's a lot of um what is the word like outsourcing it's a lot of like, um, you know, follow this method or do this thing or listen to what I say or do this or, you know, self-love or whatever. And what, it, what people don't teach, I don't think that well, I don't know if it's malicious intent or not. I'm sure sometimes it is, is how to figure out for yourself what is true and to take what works and leave the rest. Like I opened my book with a short little one pager basically was like, this is my story. This is what I think. I invite you to take what works and leave the rest. Like, I don't want you to treat my work as freaking gospel because it's not, no one's work is gospel. But I think there's like this culture and this industry where, and the law of attraction is totally a part of it where it's just gospel. And it's like, do this. If you question it, then you're just questioning the process. or You're not really trusting yourself or the universe or whatever. And it's like, that is just, I mean, that, that is like, and that is, I mean, this is a whole other conversation we don't have to get into, but that is like the road from like wellness to conspiracy land. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And Completely. and so and so I just think that the law of attraction and the way that most people teach it, I don't know, it's just really harmful for all the reasons I've already
0: stated. It doesn't account for so many other other pieces that are really important or societal injustices like you were talking about. And yeah. in a lot of ways I did, I did an episode we'll link to it in the show notes around what toxic positivity is and what yeah. spiritual bypassing is. And that's an example of it where yeah. you kind of say, well, th- well, you're not vibing high enough. And it's like, I'm just being a fucking human, you know? Yeah. And, and so I have, I have very similar similar, uh, thoughts to it as you. And I, I yeah. remember seeing a meme out there that was like, maybe you manifested it and maybe it was white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh my God. I love that.
1: Um, yeah. Whenever, I mean, I'm sure you get pitched all the time for your podcast for guests and everything. And so I, if I get pitched and I'll go to their website or Instagram and I see something along the lines of like high vibe only or whatever. I'm, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> just no, I don't. Even, just no. I I do think that you can have a spiritual approach to manifesting that's outside of the law of attraction. Yes. Um, I think spirituality is really just any kind of connection with you and some sort of like higher thing source essence. You know, essence yeah whatever you want to call it and so that can involve you know prayer it can involve just feeling connected to like the moon or the trees or god or goddess or whoever or whatever and so to me like manifesting is just asking for it asking for what you want or what you need and then if that feels impossible like let's say you want to ask the person you're dating that you want to be like an official exclusive partnership, but you feel completely paralyzed to do so. Well, then, you know, you have some healing and work to do around that. Like, why can't you ask that? Or if it's the rejection you're scared of, of course, it's normal to be scared of rejection, but what is the part of it that feels so paralyzing? Okay, do the work. And then when you're ready to ask, then you ask, right? And then you can manifest it. Like, it's really,
0: it's just a simple... It's not that that complicated.
1: Yeah, Right, right. It's not that complicated. And it's really just more about you like doing, taking the physical action. And then if there are ways in which you feel that's impossible or it feels triggering or it feels whatever, then you can do some work around it, whether it's, you know, with spirituality or with the inner child or, you know, any kind of emotional work. Yes. Including mantras as well, but it's not like this whole high vibe positive only kind of thing. That,
0: that really doesn't, I think, I think that's dangerous to ever say, there's a problem in feeling how you feel because I I, obviously that's something I talk about a lot here on the show. I've done multiple manifestation episodes on the show where it's very simple to me. It's about really delineating and getting crystal fucking clear about what you want. It's about clearing out any clutter in your life that's not congruent with that. For example, if you really want to manifest sobriety, you don't keep a bunch of fucking alcohol in your house, right? It's like you clean out the clutter, you clean out the things that aren't working for you. And some of that in relationship to manifesting a partnership is going to be clearing out old beliefs and negative thought processes and relationship with your inner child and all of those sorts of things. Then you move into fucking action, like actually doing something, inspired action that actually feels like something you would want to do. So if dating apps feel like you want to pull your teeth out, then it's probably not your avenue of action. And then receiving, like actually being able to receive in so many other so many other ways externally from relationships. Like when you and your friend go out to dinner and they're like, I really want to treat you. Like to actually allow that, to receive that. I think that's an energetic message. And also just training yourself to go, I deserve this. I'm allowed to receive abundance, love, sex, you know, all of these things that we we want to create in our life. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Because I I feel exactly the same as you with regards to law of attraction, but I do feel like there are specific, very specific things that we can do that do help manifest things in our life. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, Damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries. Or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right, please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen, it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice, take up space, and advocate for their wants, needs, and opinions, like yesterday. And if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group, you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me. (laughs) And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my colorful language if needed. And thank you. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and you know I'm a huge fan of therapy. I like to say, if you don't think that you need therapy, then you probably need therapy. Because listen, without a healthy mind, being really, truly happy and at peace can really be a challenge. But the good news is that therapy really does work. So whatever you need help with, it is time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better, okay? Because you deserve to be happy. Here's the deal. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, even live chat sessions, with your therapist so you don't even have to be on camera if you don't want to. Hello, introverts. I see you out there. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have over 20,000 therapists in their network, which gives you way, way more options than your immediate geographical area. And it's also available for clients worldwide. Much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. In fact, a member of my family just started and totally loves it. It is always a good time to invest in yourself because you. Deserve it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Boldface Truth podcast listeners get ten percent off their first month at BetterHelp.com/slash Bold Truth. That's BetterHelp.com/slash Bold Truth, or enter the code Bold Truth at checkout again to save ten percent off your very first month. All right, let's get back to the show. I think when we suppress
1: sadness or grief or anger or any of these quote unquote bad emotions, those emotions are going to come up at some point no matter what. that's right whether whether or not you suppress them. And so you know you can do all the law of attraction you want but if you have a lot of anger towards an ex or towards your parents or towards whatever whoever, that shit's coming up. <laughs> I don't know exactly how because it can come up in different ways depending on who you are in the situation all that stuff. And when you've got that much just energy, Boiling inside of you, you're not really going to be in a place to do the process that you just described. Right. So you're just, you're just, you're going to be angry or you're going to feel sad or you're going to feel all this grief or whatever. And so when you're in that place and you're holding on to it a lot, you're kind of a hard time feeling like you deserve mm-hmm. all the things that are available for you to receive. You're going to have a hard time making aligned conscious choices. Right. Cause like if you're feeling angry all the time or sad or grieving, or whatever then you might get on the app or the apps or whatever and be much more susceptible to people's, you know, there are shitty behavior or people, shitty people on the apps for sure. You're going to be, I don't think it's that you're attracting them because your energy, if you're feeling sad or or angry or whatever, but you're going to be much more susceptible to being triggered by them getting roped up in their bullshit um, because you're trying to get some sort of like dopamine hit or like something in order to make yourself feel better. Do you know what I mean? It's coming up no matter what. So you might as well work through it in a way where You're the one being like, all right, I'm going to deal with this rather than
0: it being like, all right, I'm out now, so now you have to deal with me. You know, I want to come back to this concept around inner child work. So this is something that I actually have a certification in, and I think it's unbelievably helpful. And I know Mm -hmm. you use this a lot in your work. So talk to me a little bit about how that shows up, where... Where you go with it? Like, is there a specific process you take folks through? Is it yeah. always at the beginning? Is it so it's definitely the place I start
1: with all my clients? And I really do believe that it is the route to a lot of stuff. Um, not necessarily everything, because we do live in a very patriarchal world, which <laughs> informs our beliefs and we're brainwashed sure. and da-da-da-da. But I do think that like I I personally don't know how someone works through relationship issues without doing inner child work like that's to me how integral it feels i like to think of it as you know let's say you were born with a pair of glasses on and the glasses make the sky look green and you're just living your whole life like oh yeah the sky's green look at that and then one day you take your glasses off or someone's like hey did you know you have a pair of glasses on that's making the sky green and so then you take the glasses off and you're like oh The sky is blue. Like wow, that's crazy. This whole time, (laughs) this whole time, and that is essentially what inner child work does. So what that so what that means is not that you were born a certain way. I don't think people are born like people pleasers, anything like that. Those are all learned behaviors. You were raised in some sort of environment, whether it was with biological parents, other grown ups, some sort of grown up situation, or they were the grown ups, where you learned how to get love, safety, and belonging. And that just became the way in which you got love, safety, and belonging. It's like, oh yeah, the sky is green. That's just how the world works. That's how the world is. So, an example of that is let's say you had a parent who had a really bad temper. And so you just walked on eggshells so that you wouldn't, you know, set off their temper. And you're you learn to not be con- confrontational. You learn to not really ask for what you want, or if you had big emotions, you learn to just hide that you know, somewhere else and just be happy and helpful and try to solve everyone's problems so that nobody would lose their cool. And you didn't have to be scared. Right. I'm not faulting anyone for doing that. Like you're a kid. You can't just be like, Oh, you know what? This isn't working for me. I'm just gonna, you know, get on out of here. I get my own job.
0: It's total (laughs) self-preservation. You're doing it. You're doing it to actually take care of yourself and to stay safe. Of course. hundred percent.
1: hundred percent. What happens is when those are the glasses in which you see the world like, oh, in order to have safety in a relationship or in order to feel secure or in order to feel loved or whatever it is, I have to tiptoe around. I shouldn't be too much. I shouldn't really ask for what I want. I really shouldn't share how I feel because that's going to be too much. If you are dating from that place as an adult, you can imagine the kind of relationships you might find yourself in. Sure. And so inner child work is there's a couple of pieces to it, but the first piece is simply one connecting the dots, like understanding why you do what you do or why you're in the patterns that you're in or the beliefs that you have. And then you want to go back to that little girl and basically be the grown-up, be the parent that she needed, that she didn't get at the time. I think a big part of healing is looking at ourselves as if like there's different parts of ourselves. So we already talked about this a little bit with like the role of the observer. So there's the part of ourselves that feels anxious. There's a the part of ourselves that's perfectionist. There's a the part of ourselves that's that 10 little ten year old little girl. And what's going on is that part of yourself, that's that 10 year old little girl or whatever age is the matter. Um, she's the one that's feeling, or she's the one that's calling the shots in order to feel love, safety or belonging or whatever it is in your relationship or in her relationships. And so Um, when you go back and you connect with her through journaling or meditation or visualizations, um, you're basically helping that part of you to feel safe and to feel loved and to feel secure in a way that doesn't require her to get that externally, especially in a way that isn't super emotionally, even potentially physically safe, um, And then once you establish a relationship with her, what you do is you use it, what I call in real time. So let's say you're, I don't know, you're uh, newly dating someone. People always get stressed about like texting and what am I going to hear from this person again or whatever. So let's say you're feeling really, really triggered about not hearing from the person that you just started dating. You can get really clear like, okay, um, is the communication really like not where I need it to be, and I need to ask for something. I need to ask more, communi- more communication or clear communication, or just have some agreements. Or did I hear from this person three hours ago, and now I'm just feeling triggered because I just need more and more and more reassurance or whatever, right? So if that's really what's going on, then that's when you begin to like pull out that ten year old self or whatever age self, and that's really like, all right, sweetheart, like this is just you. Um, I don't know, playing out whatever thing from mom or dad, like. It's okay. We got this. I got you. I'm here for you. And and you just and you kind of quell her fears or her anxieties or whatever she's feeling and then from that place you can say, "Okay, what's the next step? What's yeah. the next thing I need to take?" And when you're able to divide out like what's actually an issue that I need addressed versus um, what's actually on my side of the street to clean up, like my own inner child wounding getting played out, then you can get clear on like, "Okay, I actually need to have a conversation with this person," or "Actually, this is my stuff." That I need to deal with. And it has nothing to do with the person that I'm newly dating. And that just like sets the stage for God, such a better relationship with yourself, but then also with the other person.
0: It really starts to illuminate what is your shit? What is my shit? And what is our shit? Right? Like, so instead of going, you're the problem, you didn't call me back. Or you haven't texted me in three hours. Why are you the way you are? You need to give me blah, blah, blah. It's like you can unpack it and go, okay, I see why this anxiety is coming up. There's some historical stuff that happened for me around abandonment. And has this person actually given me any cause for concern? Is there any evidence that this person is not to be trusted? Or how much of this is a story that I'm creating based off of this historical narrative, and then you can kind of go, oh, okay, in this situation, it really is my shit, right? This really is something I need to kind of take ownership of. And those, in my opinion, are the most powerful relationships because you're able to recognize and take ownership and then also apologize or communicate from a place of your own wounds and what you're tending to instead of expecting that other person to do that. And we, we have a thing in hypnosis that is really, really cool. There's there's a couple of different paths that you can take. But one is called timeline therapy, where you essentially visualize that you're going up, up, up above your own timeline of life, like right now, almost like you would go up into space. And it was it's like you are looking down at the timeline of your life and you can go back to that eight-year-old sort of scenario. I visualize it kind of like with Scrooge. You know how Scrooge gets visited and he goes and like watches his life through a window and he Mm -hmm. sees the younger version of himself. That's kind of what it is. It's actually very, very dangerous to embody the eight-year-old. We don't ever want you to go back to a place of trauma, but Mm -hmm. observing it from an outside perspective and then going, here's what that version needed. Here's how I want to parent her or soothe her or whatever it is. Yeah. And then in parts therapy is is really similar to what you're talking about like let's extract the part of us that is the child because we are sort of a a conglomeration of so many different parts. There's the part of us that just wants to be free and fun loving and then there's the part of us that's the perfectionist and the cracking the whip and then there's the wise sage version of us. Like we have all, and that's for everybody to to decide on, on their own. But I think when we start to untether all of these different pieces of ourselves, we can start gaining so much more clarity. And then the payoff is we can communicate inside of a relationship in such a more powerful way, such a more effective way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's such a more effective way. And I also
1: find that It helps you, um, like when you're not playing games, when you're not trying to like, you know, I don't know, not be too much or whatever, then you invite the other person to show up fully in a similar way, right? And then if they're not able to, then that's all the information that you need. And right. then you can just get out of that because that's the biggest fear, right? It's like, well, if I do that, then, you know, I'm going to be rejected or I don't know if they feel the same way or like, you know, whatever the thing is. And it's like, okay, great.
0: Crisis averted. I mean,
1: exactly. And, and I don't mean to like, you know, the little, you know, difficult emotions that might arise with that. Cause there's always going to be some sort of sadness or grief if it's not going to go the way you were hoping to or expecting it to. Um, but that is going to be far less painful than like, if you were this person for like 20 years. That's right. And then you figured it out. And then you had to untether yourself from that relationship. That would be a lot more difficult.
0: I like to think of it almost like, you know, a food allergy. Or, you know, like (laughs) let's say you figure out that, oh shit, there's gluten in this. Oh, I can't eat this. I'm going to break out in hives or I'm my throat will close up or whatever. You don't spend all this time going like why can't I eat gluten? Why is it bad for me? Or or being mad at gluten, like you fucker, you motherfucker, <laughs> you just go, oh, this is not for me. This doesn't work for my system. Moving on. And I think if we take emotional elements like that when we're dating and go, oh, shit, you're a racist or you're a little caught up in your misogyny. <laughs> Fuck. That's not going to work for me. Bye. Instead of going, <laughs> Oh, a project. How can I force this gluten to work with my system? No, <laughs> don't take on the fucking project. Just go. Bye.
1: <laughs> that's so funny. My, my husband's a celiac. And, and so I always ask like, don't you miss cake or don't you miss pizza or whatever? And he's like, no. Cause it made me feel horrible.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Perfect example. It's like, <laughs> No, the cost of it is too yeah. strong. So the idea of like, well, if I hold on to this relationship, maybe then I'm then I'm worthy. Maybe then I'm not going to be abandoned. It's like, and there's also a severe cost to that. Yeah. There's what you have to endure inside the relationship. So anyway, I feel like I could talk to you forever about this stuff. We're clearly so aligned and I appreciate you taking some very valuable pumping time away to, to speak with me. Uh, but please tell everybody a little bit about this new book, where they can find you, where you hang out the most, and they can get a little bit more of the Veronica Grant action.
1: Yeah. So my book is You Are Meant for Love, and you can get that. Um, yeah, you can get that wherever. I think at this point, wherever books are sold. Definitely Amazon. Definitely Barnes and Noble. You know the big ones. We keep a running list at VeronicaGrant.com/slash/book, um, where all the all the places online where you can buy it. And then I have an emotional availability assessment. Ooh, which I love because it's very easy to be like, well, that person's not emotionally available. And like, yes, that might be true. And also you might be exhibiting some emotional unavailability, you know, characteristics as well, especially when we're talking in... Um you know, heterosexual relationships is very easy. But like, well, the men are emotionally unavailable because they don't want to talk about their feelings, or they're aloof or non-committal. Um, but there are other more subtle, not more subtle, but just less obvious ways, less stereotypical ways. And so, if you're attracting a lot of emotionally unavailable partners, or find yourself in those kinds of relationships, I highly recommend taking that assessment, um, which you can get at veronicagrant.com/assessment. And then I also have a podcast, um, and you can listen to that wherever. You are listening to this one. It's called The Love Life Connection. And that's where I dive more into inner child work. And I coach people through inner child work on the show. So you can hear a little bit about um, how that works and how it can apply to your love life. So you can make it better.
0: Cool. That is so cool. I am definitely going to have to check that out myself. And we'll be sure to put all of those links in the show notes. And everyone, please be sure to go check out all those links, but grab this book for sure. And thank you, my friend, for for picking up and being willing to share all your insight. It's always fun to to play with you in the virtual space. And
1: Yeah, thanks so much for the call.
0: It was fun. All right. Well, I will talk to you later. Good luck with your nipples and your boobs (laughs) and your pumping. (laughs) Better you than me, friend. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you later. So many awesome gems in that interview. I'm so glad we were able to catch her. Thank you for creeping our conversation. I would love to hear from you. What were some of the biggest takeaways that you had from today? I hang out the most over on Instagram. So if you can find me there under the handle, HeyAmyGreenSmith, and find the meme for this episode. it'll be There'll be a handful that are posted. And just let me know what your biggest takeaway was. And don't forget to stay tuned. Next week, I'll be doing a solo episode, continuing on with our theme of attracting love, and I'm going to do a deeper dive in in the realm of intimacy and how it's related to vulnerability. So this will be another one that's highly applicable to all kinds of relationships, whether we're talking about a really close work partnership or a best friend, so you will not want to miss that. And we will be continuing on with this series. I do so hope you're enjoying and I'm hoping you're extracting lots of little nuggets. And I will see you around these parts next week. So please remember you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and tell the bold truth. Peace.